great. And hello and welcome to It's a Scary Life. I am your host, Melody, and this is my wonderful co-host, Ellen. Hi, I got a sunburn. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she was very sunburned today. We uh, may have to pause to reapply some lidocaine gel. We'll see. (laughs) I I can hold on for like an hour or two. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to be bitchy the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That that might be a good coping mechanism for uh, today's episode, so... Melody, no. <laughs> oh, God. Melody told me this one was going to be rough. A bit, yeah. It's, it's I don't know, it's one where I empathize with the killer, too. It's emotionally complicated for me. Okay, but you said, can I, you told me, the one thing that you told me about this episode <laughs> was that he killed, a like, a middle schooler. And, yeah. like, I get it. Middle school is a tough time, and it's like a tough time for the people around you. Secondary school. Secondary school. It's middle school. He's 12 or 13. Uh, but, like, that is no reason to kill a middle schooler. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you'll learn why my feelings are just so complicated on this one. Okay, who right. we got? So, just to begin, we would like to begin by thanking our newest patron, Hannah. Oh! <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Yes, she is a dear friend of the podcast and actually in my wedding party for next year. Boy! Yes. So, um, I love you, Hannah. You're a fantastic human being who I learned from in many ways. Um, I also thank all of our current patrons for your patience while I get everything up and running the page. You all are just so fantastic you'll be getting full benefits by the end of this month and absolutely no later wait does that include dental (laughs) seriously guys we love you we love you a lot that was perfect (laughs) i wouldn't be a patron if i get dental Um, but if you yourself would like to become a patron of the show after I get myself on some strict deadlines, you can go to patreon.com slash it's a scary life and sign us, sign up and support us there. Um, we would love to get some merch going, pay our Yay. logo designer, Caleb Walker, some more money. They're so cool. They are cool. They, yeah, they're a cool person. And then hopefully Save to do some live shows, maybe. Yeah. I would love to see faces. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine, like, faces? <laughs> I say as I stare at Melody's face. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it, 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 but, like, audience you know, faces. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, are you, are you prepared to learn why Twilight is relevant to... Uh, this episode oh god what am i gonna have to relive my very pretentious twilight phase that came about because bella read jane austen in the third chapter i mean probably a little god damn it this is why other young people should read jane austen because otherwise some sucker like me (laughs) is gonna see a like a blank eyed protagonist in a book flip through the complete works of Jane Austen and go, oh, I was only reading this to be polite to a friend, to a, well, an acquaintance. And now I am Bella. Bella is me. We are one. Anyways, go on. (laughs) I'm not ready. 
So today I am telling the story of the most famous double homicide in Britain's history, as it is done by the youngest couple murderers in Britain's history. Oh no, were they kids too? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's more understandable. And this is why I have very complicated feelings. Listen, we all hated people in middle school. We all did. Secondary school still. Secondary school. (laughs) Yes, we all hated people in secondary school when we were there. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So because Twilight is relevant to this story, I'm going to be using this as an opportunity to talk about the real reasons why Twilight is garbage (laughs) and vampires who sparkle in it. And why we should all donate to the Colette tribes. Um, like moving their school to a higher ground so it doesn't like fall in the water. I mean, that would be lovely, yes. Yeah. I'm just Stephanie Meyer is a terrible person. Um, also, I'm not sure if I pronounced their name right, and I'm really sorry if I fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, is the sparkling weird? Sure, but the reason Edward Cullen sparkles is because Stephanie Meyer, the author of the Twilight series, is just a horrendous writer who... <laughs> Seems, she seems like she uses a thesaurus while writing, and even when it means she just becomes redundant. A quote from, time, um, from Twilight, to give you an example, comes from New Moon. And I keep a screenshot of this to remind myself that this writer got published with this phrase in her book. It says, Aaron laughed, quotation mark, Ha ha ha! Quotation mark. He giggled. Oof! That is that is bad. The Oof. fact that she wrote this phrase and it made it past proofreaders astounds me. In fairness, it was the second book, and her first was a bestseller. And just like like her writing doesn't improve from that. Oh no! It's just no no no. It yeah. It's it truly is reading the bad fanfic from junior high. No, listen, okay. There is I've read some bad fanfic in my time, and Twilight is a different beast. <laughs> I mean, I've read some of the funniest fucking fanfic was that I ever read was Twilight Crackfic on fanfiction.net. It was amazing. I'm not here for your bad fanfic. Like, comparison to Twilight. Twilight is a bad published novel, and it's different. I I mean, Twilight is, like, the My Immortal of published books, comparing to... I would... Okay, I am going to argue that that (laughs) it's not quite that bad. It's not great. It's readable. Fair, fair. Fifty my, Shades of Grey. Exactly. I was going to say, Fifty Shades is my immortal. Because that's just illegible. Good God. Do you know how much I learned about BDSM just from being online at that time? Oh, and yeah. every single person in that community going, that's not how you tie a knot. Hey, kids, here's what consent is. Here's mm-hmm. what BDSM means. Here's how to, like, smack your partner responsibly. Here's how a contract is actually supposed to work. Right. Oh, man. I mean, it was a great education of stuff that I, like, have never needed to use except to, like, freak out my mom. But, like, you know. (laughs) 
Anywho. Yeah. So from here, the failure of Twilight, it's truly the story itself. Mm-hmm. And how would it seen as not only a romance, but a pure aspirational romance? Mormons. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to summarize this as best I can. A neutral main character who is meant to easily become a self-insert for the reader named Bella Swan moves to a new hound and hates everything. Just hates everything. Bella has low self-esteem and therefore thinks mean thoughts about everyone around her except this one weird boy in her school she finds extremely attractive and completely out of her league the moment she sees him. In fairness, everyone thinks he and his siblings are hot. I mean, basically, she's just horny for him. I mean, haven't we all been there? I mean, of course. <laughs> but I don't act like Bella. No, I know. Thank you, gods. <laughs> um, so this boy happens to be a 107-year-old vampire named Edward Cullen. Who died of Spanish influenza. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. No, he died in 1918. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry. I remember that, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's where I learned about the Spanish flu. Oh, fun. I'm going to get some water. Okay. Call yourself water. Um, and you know, for some reason, Edward is still attending high school. They meet and talk and he withdraws emotionally from her. Then he just shows up in her bedroom in the middle of the night because since he met Bella, Edward has been climbing into her window to watch her sleep. Yeah. I can't explain to you the fact that I thought that that was slightly romantic when yes. I was like so gross. 13. So creepy. I know it's gross. I know now that it's gross. And I knew then I was like, if it was anyone other than Edward, which is <laughs> the worst thought. Which, yeah. The rationalization of it is creepy. God, I was so into it until he left her a new moon. And then I was like, I think Victoria should kill everyone. <laughs> it was a bad time. Anyways. I love that. So Edward describes Bella as an addiction and tries to rush their relationship. And because he's a vampire, he's also obsessed with her smell. Bella describes Edward's gaze as something that frightens her. Also, for no reason other than abstinence propaganda from Stephanie Meyer's Mormonism, Edward feels he must preserve Bella's soul and insists she stay a virgin until the wedding night and refuses to turn her into a vampire. So if this didn't already give you a bunch of red flags for domestic violence, let's list off some of the weird shit Edward does to Bella during the series in no particular order. He frequently attempts to isolate her from her friends and her father when he decides to give her attention, including a time he removed her engine from her car so she couldn't go anywhere. He's extremely jealous of Jacob, who Bella shows really no interest in because it's obvious that Jacob likes her. And actually, he's just kind of jealous of anyone talking to Bella that isn't him. He must be the one in charge of all all of the decisions he and Bella want to make. She said she wasn't ready for marriage and they got ready and they got married because Edward decided. He threatens suicide if anything should happen to her, i.e. she leave him. He throws things when he's angry and the moment they get married, he has extreme rough sex with her for her first time. 
Even when Bella was in the hospital, Edward was only obsessed with himself and was trying to rush her out of there when she needed care. And he drives recklessly on purpose to prove a point to Bella at different times. And I would like to emphasize that Twilight is actually used in the field of psychology to explain domestic violence to young people now. Oh, shit. Um, That's wild. There's actually a decent article from Wired in 2016, the same year as these murders, about exactly that. This shit show of unhealthy romance was the favorite movie series of the main subjects of our tales today. Oh, no. I so, Kim Edwards, this poor thing, thought that Edward and Bella's forbidden romance was the epitome of love. And she found a dark, sinister boy like Edward. And she and him went down the horrible path to becoming Burden's youngest couple to commit double homicide. Oh my god. And this is a story of Elizabeth and Katie Edwards and what led to their deaths. Oh my god. So, Kid Edwards is from the town of Spalding in Lincolnshire, England. She grew up there with her mother, Elizabeth, and younger sister, Katie. When Kim was young, her mother struggled with addiction, and her father was abusive to her mother in front of her and Katie. Her mother had even punched Kim once when she was five years old during an argument. This led Elizabeth to turn Kim and Katie into social services and be placed in foster care. Kim and Katie did not lean on each other for survival in the midst of growing up in all of this chaos and didn't find comfort from each other's presence. Mm. This caused a rift between the sisters that Kim felt deeply. Especially after their time in foster care, Kim saw herself and her sister as polar opposites, stating she is an angel, I am a train wreck. So Elizabeth went into recovery and left the girl's abusive father. She became a charity worker and was trying as a parent. But even after seeing her mother recovered, Kim didn't seem to grow a trust in Elizabeth. Kim felt Elizabeth and Katie had formed an allegiance against her. Oh no. According to a schoolmate of Kim and her accomplice Lucas named Adam, Katie was very nice and rather popular in school. Students and teachers really seemed to like her, and this further grew Kim's resentments towards Katie and, by extension, her mother. So Kim felt isolated in her own home, had low self-esteem, and a growing rage inside of her. And then she meets a boy at school named Lucas Markham. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I don't like where this is going. I know where this is going. I don't like it. Yeah. So Lucas Markham was in year nine, like in school, like Kim. When he was young, his parents had a violent relationship that led to a very messy divorce. And Lucas and his brothers were put into foster care. Lucas and his brothers were placed with his aunt while his mother got back on her feet to take care of her children from Luz- after Luz- leaving her father or their father. And then, but shortly after Lucas moves in with his aunt, his mother dies of leukemia. Oh, gosh. Lucas's aunt's home is small, and between himself and his brothers, there's really no private space. Things are overcrowded and feels kind of like a lot of pressure. Yeah. So Lucas got into fights at school and was a bit of a bully. 
According to Adam, Lucas could have bursts of friendliness. He loved math in school and was known for breezing in the course. And then Lucas, this calculating bomb ready to blow, meets Kim. So Kim and Lucas, a romance? Kim and Lucas met through friends at school after Kim was impressed by him throwing a chair at another school at another kid at school in a fit of rage. Oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh god, and how old were they? 13? 14? Um, I do know for a fact she's 13 when they meet, 14, and they're both 14 when they commit the murders. I'm not sure when his birthday was, so I'm not oh sure. Oh my god, listen, 13-year-olds are wild. So full of emotions, so ready for anything, balls to the wall. So few coping mechanisms. So few. Unless someone really, really tried hard to put them there. Even then, even then the hormones come up and you're like, what's a coping mechanism? (laughs) Yeah. So the two suddenly felt the connection they were both so desperately missing from their family lives. Kim and Lucas seemed to relax around one another and were always seen holding hands, cuddling, and kissing. The chances that both of them have like have hypersexuality as a trauma response is pretty high here. God, they must have been so annoying to their classmates during <laughs> passing period. Absolutely. I just, you know, when you saw that couple, and like that you didn't even know what attached. one of their faces looked like because they were just constantly sucking on the other ones and like you're like you are in the way where like there are corners there are corners you can go in there are wider spaces where you're not going to be smack dab in the middle i swear in high school there was this one couple and they were seniors they had no business being this obnoxious i didn't know what his face looked like until graduation until that year's graduation that's amazing they just she was constantly sucking his face in front of the choir room during passing period. And it's like, come on. <laughs> ah. Anyways, go on. Yeah, I don't have complicated feelings about these two. Fuck them. <laughs> I mean, ugh, God. Like, honestly, if this story was just about two maladjusted, maladjusted teens with an unhealthy relationship awkwardly exploring se- sex, this could have ended perfectly fine. Yeah, still deeply annoying to go to school with. Yeah, but unfortunately, (laughs) Lucas was showing a lot of red flag behavior um, for being abusive. And Elizabeth started trying to keep Kim from him to protect her. She also just wasn't too hot with her 13-year-old jumping into a sexual relationship, which is what she seemed to believe was happening. It was definitely happening. Oh, my God. Um, so this caused them to feel they had a forbidden romance. Oh, God. And only drew Krim and Lucas closer. And Lucas resentful of Elizabeth. Can I just say, teenagers are deeply obnoxious. I, I've known and deeply cared for teenagers before. Mostly, mostly my sibling. Like, mostly Sash. But, like, <sighs> I really like teenagers i think it's just because gen z is really cool oh no yeah gen z like a lot of modern teenagers like <laughs> that's I, so cool i don't have a lot of contact with teenagers in my day-to-day life but like i'm like all right you guys are okay but like when i was their age we were awful yeah we were we were we were monsters to a man 
terrible, terrible little bastard children. We were people running around, groping each other, tuning into Tokyo. Like, we were wild. Oh my god. It we was, were savages. We were. And there was just, there was nothing. It was just bad. And then they shoved all of us in, like, a school together and expected that to be okay. And it wasn't. Like, listen, I came out of it fine. I'm not bitter. I am. But. I came out of it fine, but I did yikes. some shit. I mean, I was I was definitely on the other end of the spectrum. I just didn't do anything except, like, write very terrible, like, thinly veiled fanfic about my friends and I. But, like... I love that. Hey, at least one other... I think two other people wrote fanfic of that fanfic. <laughs> it was an experience, and it will never see the light of day. Nice. Okay. <laughs> but getting back to... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So Kim stopped hanging around Lucas at school to appease her mother. And mm-hmm. Kim's relationship with Elizabeth was only becoming increasingly strained. Kim threatened to run away and wrote a suicide note for being forbidden for, from seeing her love. Did her, did her mom take her to therapy? Yeah, Elizabeth had Kim put through a psychiatric evaluation immediately after that. Cool. Good. Um, and, but the doctors found no sign of a diagnosable mental illness. Though, should be noted that doctors will not diagnose a personality disorder until at least age 18. Some may even hold off until is someone in their early 20s to allow the brain to develop more. Because you're just to you're at a stage in your life where you're probably going to just behave like you have a personality disorder from like 13 to 21. Yeah, that that tracks. That, yeah. They just, really just put a bunch of it's it's a hormonal thing, it's a developmental thing. Your impulse control is so much lower. You know, we should be, bring back apprenticeships. Fuck middle school. <laughs> like they we should not be putting that many Young people around each other yeah. constantly. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mess. Go on. So I should also note that this is also kind of bullshit. She could have definitely been diagnosed with PTSD at this age. Oh, yeah. And had she been fully truthful with the doctors, they would have been able to catch that. I really think she just kind of made it all about Lucas when she talked about them. And I was like, oh, no, this seems like normal 13-year-old crap. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, no, this is, this girl has PTSD, very obviously. Well, I mean, if someone's reacting like that to the potential loss of a partner at that age, like, yeah, there's that's a red flag on its own. Yeah, that's that's showing signs of anxiety, depression. There's just a grab bag there. Yeah. Or just, just like a bad behavioral pattern that needs to be shifted before something worse happens. Exactly. <sighs> but after this, Kim and Lucas decided to run away to be together. Oh my like, God! Exactly like how Edward takes Bella away from her family and evil vampires and they live on the run. I'm so mad. I know. And I'm so deeply angry. And I, I, I want to say something. I hate that I know so much about Twilight. I assure you, listeners, I haven't read a single book. I have read articles on how Twilight displays domestic violence and Dominic Noble. Wait, you never read it? Critiquing the books on YouTube. 
I got through maybe five pages and I was like, this woman is a fucking terrible writer. You have not suffered. I know you have like in real life, but like you have not, you've not gone through shit. Yeah. I skipped this. It was great. And then um, it was a whole experience. Like, can I just say that like, as someone who did have a twilight phase, like not a really rough one, but like a phase, Mm -hmm. it was exhilarating. It like, like there is, so well, you were getting exhilarated over Twilight. I was watching The Lost Boys and The Crow. I get I that. I was exhilarated in better ways. I get that, that those are better pieces of media. But you have to understand that even though the writing is bad, it draws you in. Like, if you are at a point in your life, it like, it... I don't know. I have standards. I know. I thought I did. <laughs> I do now. But, like... Um, I do highly recommend Dominic Noble's um, series critiquing the series on YouTube. It's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, after Kim and Lucas run away, they are found in the woods five days later. They had a tent, their bikes, and a plastic bag filled with food. Okay. I mean, that's not... At least they planned. At least they didn't, like, start eating each other. (laughs) You know. No one lost a finger. Oh, wow. They're doing fine. Leave them. Just leave them there. Let them work it out. They'll come back. Uh, but after these star-crust lovers are brought back, Lucas's resentment of Elizabeth only increases and begins to burn red hot. Also, where is Lucas's aunt at this point? Honestly, she's a single woman managing a lot of people. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So Kim and Lucas, in an effort to be together, barricade themselves in Lucas's room for several hours. And Kim realizes that she forgot condoms and goes back to her home to get them. Oh, my. When she enters her room, Kim sees that Elizabeth had removed her things from her bedroom, even some items that she had given to her sister. Um, Hmm. And then after this incident lucas started suggesting that the only way to solve their problems was to kill elizabeth kim at first thought lucas was joking and replied a casual yeah and when she realized he was serious she got serious too so at this point lucas took a focused interest in his schoolmate adam you see adam's home had been invaded and his father was murdered in the course of that invasion Lucas went to Adam very curious about the people who had committed the invasion and how only one out of the six of them had gotten a murder charge. He asked about the courts and how the other five had gotten away without the murder charge. Oh, my. I mean, at least the kid's doing research. I don't know. I I give up. I give up. Yeah. What a fucking creep. Poor Adam, too. Right. Kid has been through enough. He's been through enough, and then he has his friend come up to him asking a bunch of weird questions. And he knows that he's volatile, so he doesn't want to, like, refuse. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kim and Lucas began planning the murder at a McDonald's. And for a little background on Spalding, there are very few hangouts for teenagers. There's a canal, a McDonald's, and some parking lots. So planning the murder at McDonald's is mostly just kind of what's available to them. Oh, my God. 
I know it sounds so callous when it's like, yes, they started planning the murder at McDonald's. No, it's just like, no, I mean, they're middle schoolers. Where the fuck else are they going to go? No, that's fine. It's just McDonald's workers are not paid enough to deal with a bunch of creepy little, like two creepy little teenagers off in a corner, like talking about murder. I know someone overheard them. I know someone overheard them, thought about what they were getting paid and went, you know what? Nah, nah. And walked away. Yep. And they're okay. Like, that's okay. You shouldn't have to deal with that shit. Also, I mean, if I see two kids who look 14 talking about murder, I don't, I'm not going to assume they're being serious. I'm not at least going to hope. I just, I don't know. I talked about murder. I don't know. I was a fucking savage. I talked about murder all the time. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, we all get bored in class. But, like... <laughs> What, didn't you ever just, anyways. Oh, no, I would get bored in class and start writing horror stories and things. Right. But. Yeah, like, I'm not saying they should have been like, oh, no, this is serious. I'm saying even if they had realized it was serious, they're at McDonald's. They're not paid enough to deal with that. They're barely paid enough to, like, keep the store clean. Like, let's be honest. True. So they planned together that Lucas would walk up to the canal to Kim's house. He would then climb up to Kim's window and knock three times. Lucas would kill Elizabeth, and Kim would kill Katie. Then they would commit suicide together. What? No. Nope. 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 Come back. (laughs) What is the point of... God, I hate middle schoolers. What is the point I, I guess they would technically in America be in high school now. But yes, what the fuck is the point? The, the, the school that they go to is, is literally named a high school, but it is secondary school because it's not right. primary. Right. Where the fuck? How does this make sense? Okay. If you're going to commit murder to get rid of two people, then you're just going to kill yourselves. What is the benefit? So I personally think that this was something... Lucas wanted at the end to make Kim want to go through with it. Okay. What? Like, because imagine going, it's a very different thing to like be like, we'll go through with it and then what? Be together? Yeah, you have no real plan. You have nothing Uh. to say. So, also the idea of killing a family member to Kim. She wasn't the one who was serious about this necessarily. Okay, fair enough. Still. Yeah. So when Lucas showed up at Kim's house that night and knocked on her window, she was asleep. And they met again the next day at McDonald's. And Kim reassured (laughs) Lucas that she had just fallen asleep and she wanted to go through with the plan. Just come again tonight. And the night he showed up again... Kim was asleep on her bed. Kim and Lucas go to McDonald's yet again to solidify their plans. And on this night, Kim is awake. God damn it. But yeah, like again, like the first two times she is literally asleep. That doesn't seem like someone who truly was highly motivated. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like she, she's not the one who's motivated for it here. Yeah, I know that tracks. So the murder of Elizabeth and Katie Edwards happened on April 13th, 2016. Lucas arrived at Kim's home with four kitchen knives in his bag. He knocked three times on Kim's window and she let him in. 
Lucas then went to Elizabeth's room where she was sleeping and began to attack her. There was a long struggle. Kim could hear gurgling sounds and Lucas stabbed her mother eight times in the neck, chest, and hands. He ultimately suffocated her to end the struggle. Oh my God. During all this, Kim had reached her hand into the room to comfort Lucas. Oh, yes. When she realized the hand that reached back was her mother's, Kim recoiled and pulled her hand back. Whether it was in disgust or panic is very highly up for debate amongst the true crime community. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the fence with that one. But once Lucas was sure Elizabeth was dead, he emerged from her room. Kim told Lucas she couldn't go through with killing her her sister as she was having a panic attack. Later telling the police, I didn't think I could take all her hopes and dreams away. So he went into the bedroom to kill Katie. What the fuck? What the... Yeah. He killed Katie the same way as Elizabeth, stabbing her first, then holding a pillow over her face. After the murder, Kim and Lucas couldn't find it in themselves to commit suicide as planned. You don't say. And they decided to hang out in the house instead. What? Yeah. Not, like, wash off and go to McDonald's? What the fuck? What kind of dumb... You commit... Okay, listen. This isn't, like, a spur-of-the-moment thing. This was a planned thing. Lucas had a plan. Mm -hmm. A creepy awful plan but like he had a plan and i don't think he was planning for suicide no, in the end that's fair so then you're just gonna hang out casually mm-hmm. i mean in the house at the very least go back to her room and pretend to be asleep for when the police come i'm sorry it's an alibi so afterwards kim and lucas took a shower to clean off the blood okay and closed the bedroom doors They had brought Kim's mattress down to the living room and had sex there. So Kim and Lucas then started to watch Kim's favorite series, Twilight. For days, they sat on the couch and mattress watching movies and having sex. All while the bodies of Elizabeth and Katie Edwards lay and decompose upstairs. That is so gross. That is so disgusting. I... Yeah. Why? The, the level of horror of just, you're casually you, hanging out in a house with two dead bodies upstairs. I mean, here's the thing. Can you imagine how bad that house smelled after these two greasy little teens had been fucking on the mattress and there's like two bodies decomposing upstairs? God knows they're not washing. God knows they're not cleaning the dishes. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the stench God, I almost feel bad for the cops. Almost. It was three days later when Elizabeth hadn't shown up for work and Kim, Katie, and Lucas hadn't shown up for school that police were called to do a wellness check. When police arrived at the home, the front door was unlocked and Kim and Lucas were on the couch watching TV. The officers asked them what was going on and Lucas replied, why don't you look? What a... Oh, God. Why? Why are people like this? Yeah. This sent the police upstairs to the horror show that they left behind. Kim and Lucas were promptly arrested and questioned. Good. During questioning, Lucas reveals that the only purpose he had for killing Katie was to prevent her from calling the police. 
Kim rationalizes the murder by talking about their troubled history and how Katie was the favorite. Kim also stated, now my mom doesn't have to worry about me committing suicide. She did confess that she missed her sister during questioning, and she thought it was right to kill her because now she didn't have to deal with mourning the death of her mother. Kim said now she doesn't have to go through all those emotions and stuff. Fucking 14-year-olds. Oh, my God. Oh, also, not all 14-year-olds. I know I'm being really harsh on, like, teenagers (laughs) in this episode, but, like, God damn it. I mean, these are teenagers to be a little bit rough on. Yeah, but I, I just feel bad because like, I'm generalizing they, a lot. They, they, need, they, they need a firm hand. I know not all of y'all would do this, but like... Yeah, this is... Yeah. This is extreme. Um, so are they... They're, they're like locked up, right? Yes. Good. So Kim and Lucas were tried separately in November 2016. Good. Each received the maximum punishment for premeditated murder allowed for their age group which was a minimum 20 years in prison. And this sentencing was later appealed to 17 and a half years, which I think is an appropriate amount of time yeah. to check in again and be like, hey, well, also, do like, you feel yeah. remorseful? Have you grown as a person? Are you rehabilitated? Mm-hmm. I mean, also, like, are they going to get, like, psych- psychiatric help? Are they going to... I mean, the UK system is at least better than in America, so yes. I know. Okay, good. Still terrible little it's, children. It's still not great, their prison system, but like... Well, very few prison systems are. I mean, have you seen Germany? No, unfortunately, think... there's a pandemic and I can't go. <laughs> no, German prisons, they look like college dorms. It's. I mean, I think that says more about college dorms than a... No, but I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're comfortable and humane. Mm-hmm. But um, often in the retelling of a story, people have no empathy for Kim and Lucas. It's very hard for me sometimes to go through the podcasts and listen to them. I think it's just a, it's a very easy stance to take. They did plan and execute a double murder. Uh, but I, sure can't, I can't help to still feel empathy, at least for Kim, throughout the end of this as well. On the day of the murder, she and Lucas were only 14 years old. They were suffering from issues that having more time to develop mentally and moving away from family could have helped. And had they not met, this may not have happened. Lucas may have been too far gone. That is very possible. But I think Kim, without this escalating situation with Lucas, may have grown up to be a traumatized adult who's just working on her shit. That's true. I mean... She may have grown to love her sister and have some sort of acceptance of her mother, at least. Mm-hmm. But or at least just not killed them. Yeah. I mean, there's that's, that's kind of the baseline here. But unfortunately, she did meet him and life did escalate in this way. And she stifled her chances for that future. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do empathize with Kim. I think, I hope that she can be rehabilitated. And I hope that she can one day become a member of society. I don't think people should ever permanently be in prisons unless they truly can't be rehabilitated. Right. Um, so for Elizabeth and Katie Edwards, Kim's rehabilitation may be just that little cherry on top of their justice in the end. Yeah. Because they did at least get justice. These kids went straight to prison. That's true. That That's very true. I mean, it's hard being a teenager, but it's even harder, like, being around teenagers. 
when they're, you know, murderous. Yeah. So I would I, agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's some, you know, it's a hard time. It's a deeply difficult time for the majority of people. That being yeah. said, even when you don't have shit happening in your life, your hormones right. and your emotions are all over the place right. for no reason. Even if you were like a well-adjusted, happy child, everything starts to shift and change and it sucks. And if you've got trauma on top of that, like it does become more difficult. That being said, please don't kill people. Don't so use that as an outlet. Person. Go get therapy. Get therapy. Get into fucking boxing. I don't know. Box. Yoga, yeah. gymnastics, you know, somatic therapy is very good for people. Apprentice to a butcher, you know, like whatever it takes to, you know, to work through that, do it. But like, don't harm other people while you're doing it. Yeah. I don't know if there's kids watching this show. Maybe also. <laughs> you mean they can't see us? Uh, no. Would you, wouldn't you be a little embarrassed if they could? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm past that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had to apply some lotion, so I'm definitely in my sports bra. Yeah. No, I'm past embarrassment. I'm so tired. I've been a. I've done theater. There is nothing. Le- I've done show choir. I've done yeah. dance. There is nothing left. Yeah. It's well, all gone. It's just not a thing after. It's not. Musicals and things. You try and turn your back on other people while they're changing, but really it's just a social thing. I mean, honestly... You're just so busy. You don't have time to look anyway. Honestly. One time during a, a during a play um, while we were all getting changed, um, our teacher didn't realize that the boys and girls were getting changed in the same room. <laughs> and someone put on like stripper music like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And she came in. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? The teacher always comes in at the worst moment. <laughs> the administration is going to kill me. Okay. And like we were all like, chill we've all known each other since we were like six we've been doing shows together for about that long like it's fine she's like you cannot change in the same room and we were like yeah well, high was school that was a frequent happen. problem as well no yeah yeah no like we were all like you know we'd done like after school theater programs when we were younger and so we were just like i know what he looks like yeah also i grew up in a home where skin was skin yeah that, that's it yeah it doesn't mean anything sexual yeah, I think it was definitely the music choice, <laughs> which was a joke. I just want to point out it was absolutely a joke. I mean, it's a great joke. It's a fun time. It was sex. great. It was great. It was great. Yeah. yeah anyways, we were, we were little savages. Absolutely. Wild. Absolutely. I mean, this was. Yeah, I was gonna try and defend myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah we were just wild and wacky. Yep. The next year, I literally like half knocked on the door and shouted, "I'm coming in to the men, to where the men were changing the boys," and like, oh, and the teacher I didn't even was like, bother. "I just walked in." Well, because the last time, like, a couple new kids had been like, oh, "My modesty," and I was like, "Fuck off! Your shirts off! I don't care." And like, no the teacher one wants to see your nipples, Julio. Right, and and so the teacher was like, "Oh, they're all gone," and I was like. Ah, oh, darn it. She's like, hi, you're so funny. And I'm like, I love that you think I would never do anything awful. Yep. It's great having the trust of your teachers, except if you're going to murder someone. Don't do that, kids. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you should let your teachers know. Have them help you get there. No! <laughs> no murders. No murder. No murder. You just get therapy. Yay! Yes. 
Anywho. <laughs> so we are going to wrap this up for today. We thank you so, so much for listening. Yay. I need to put stuff on my sunburn. Yes. Love you guys. Do. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Follow us on the socials. It's a scary life on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also have our Patreon, patreon.com slash it's a scary life if you want to support the show. And we hope that you keep on listening and we hope you, you, know, you go get therapy. Just Yay, go get therapy. therapy. We all need it. Sure do. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. And bye.